a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The Shepherd's Sling. It is a dark time. The Galactic Empire, ruling by fear and military might, marches towards systemic domination from the core worlds to the far reaches of the Outer Rim. But all hope is not lost, as small cells of rebels, pursuant to buck the yoke of oppression, have begun to coalesce and counter the Empire's sinister doctrine. Our heroes have raced to the planet Genarius on a desperate mission to obtain resources for the fledgling rebellion. Their rendezvous with local rebel sympathizers may prove vital to the incipient fight to restore freedom to the galaxy. Chapter 1, Edict Bar. Above Genarius, the Empire has arrived. An Imperial Victory-class Star Destroyer, cruising above the planet, deploys an escort shuttle and two ties from its docking bay. They head planet-side. Below on the gaseous planet, a storm is brewing. Sentinel-class shuttles are landing on various platforms on the city of Edict Bar, and stormtroopers are deploying into the city. Down on a lower-level street, a small figure is seen running up the street and into a building. Here in a small room below the upper levels, AC Early gathers with the new recruits. This is not a drill, he implores. He informs them that the Imperials have invaded Edict Bar and appear to be after the Baroness. He states the blaster gas mission will have to wait. This is now a rescue. Some yelling is heard from outside. Oh shit, he cries. You gotta get the Baroness and get to the rendezvous point. She's likely in the central tower up on the surface. There may be some lift tubes to get you up and out of here. I gotta get the other cells activated. He hands a code cylinder to Buck, saying, Don't worry, that beast has been dead for years. With that, AC Early heads out the window, climbs away, and scampers down the road. Blasting and slashing their way through Imperials and descending through the bowels of the Edict Bar Undercity, the heroes find themselves face to face with an angry Dianoga and later bloodthirsty insects on the way to the upper levels of Edict Bar. Aided by a masterful distraction from a flumperloon band led by a couple of sympathetic shop owners the PCs are able to sneak their way into the chambers of Baroness Elawa Okomu, where a confrontation is occurring. Our adventurers spy a tense gathering of several characters. Planet Governor Rena Journeau, a commanding woman in a formal carmine suit, speaks sharply. Your father was a dutiful servant. How did you fall so far from the tree? 
I should have never given you administrative privileges. A 50% production drop? Clearly you are diverting supplies and supporting the rebellion. The Baroness Okomu, a regal woman adorned in a tiara and fine jewelry, at the receiving end of the reproachful abasement, looks away out at the storm beyond the windows. Where is the calm relay you received? Another figure importunes. The deep, gravelly voice barks from a face that does not appear entirely human. His visage is half flesh, half metallic. His large torso is framed by a high-ranking Imperial Navy uniform, but mechanized limbs protrude eerily. Give us that communique, or we will send you to Kessel. We know you have those files, Baroness Okomu. Maintaining her gaze on her city below, Baroness Alawu Okomu replies, I'd rather die than help you. Beckoning the others, Vod lightly skips between the shadows, sneaking closer, and tucks up, up along the dice, listening. The conversation grows more heated. Suddenly, the cyborg, in the imperial outfit, backhands the Baroness, sending her tiara and necklace skittering across the platform. Governor, have your men tear this place apart. We're taking her back with us. Tell the consortium to begin their landing. Moving with surprising alacrity and strength, the cyborg effortlessly grabs the Baroness and bounds east off the platform out of sight, followed by four stormtroopers who chose the stairs and hurry to follow. Attempting a rescue, but a moment too late to save the abducted Baroness, the PCs leap from cover into the Baroness's chambers only to see the Imperial cyborg retreating with Akomu's limp frame. The PCs find themselves in a skirmish against the Imperial stormtroopers and Governor Journaux's royal guards. In the smokescreen provided by an exploding computer, Vod manages to get the governor in a chokehold using his concealed garrote. Drop your weapons, all of you, barks Vod and we'll have a nice little chat about the situation your governor is in. As her guards spin to see Governor Journeau desperately trying to break free from her chokehold, Vod tightens the wire around her airway in response. Her flailing arms turn into a frantic gesture for her guards to lower their weapons. They do. Interrogating from their newfound upper hand, the heroes discern that the Imperial cyborg who fled with Baroness Okomu was ISB Commander Hessen Scourge. It appears Baroness Okomu had been siphoning tabanagas from Edikbar production facilities towards non-Imperial recipients. Additionally, it seems she was receiving comms from a source of great interest to the ISB. As the PCs interrogate Governor Journeau, a frantic call comes from AC Early. Have you guys managed to find the Baroness yet? This place is crawling with Imperials. Ted explains that Baroness Okomo has been taken, to which AC explains 
that not only was she a valuable Tabana asset, but she was also custodian to secret information that the heroes must help find for the good of the rebellion. Rifting through her chambers in a frantic race for further clues, Ted stumbles upon a code cylinder hidden in the Baroness's fallen tiara. Using this, he is able to open her locked computer and obtain further information. Zero three oh eight. EB-1. Vector communication relay incoming now. I will update once received. Ember. Affirmative. 0727. EB-1. Vector file encrypted. Cannot access. Strange. Vector usually sends translate key. Ember. We may be able to assist. Rendezvous at Beast's Belly as soon as possible. EB-1. We will make arrangements now. TSR delivery planned at 0800. Ember. Please hurry. Vector information critical. 0812. EB-1. I fear Vector has been intercepted. No additional comms received. Ember. Can you ascertain the distress beacon location? EB-1. I should be able to. Oh no. Long-range scanners indicate VSD just dropped into orbit. Ember. Get out of there. EB-1. Comm block. Imperial code 34 V5. Com block. Imperial code 34 V5. Com block. Imperial code 34 V5. Com block. Imperial code 34 V5. At this point, AC Early catches back up with our heroes and implores them to get moving. The Imperials are returning, and they're bringing plenty of reinforcements. We gotta get out of here, boys. Again, sneaking through the derelict gas transport tunnels, the PCs make their way to a stealthy entry at the docking bay holding their ship, the Wayfarer-class freighter, Dawei. Sneaking and fighting their way onto the ship, Ted jumps into the cockpit, ignites the engines, and lifts the ship up and off the platform, rotating away. As the PCs are lifting off on their comms, they hear Imperials mobilize. There is unauthorized takeoff on the north platform. Assault gunboats move, please engage. Wayfarer class freighter, you are unauthorized for takeoff. Please return to the north platform immediately or be destroyed. The two assault gunboats move into formation, pursuing the escaping freighter. The Wayfarer rockets forward making for a bank of clouds. Lightning snaps around the ship as the gunboats follow. Buck, I need those astrogation coordinates. Now! I'm going to try to get clear of these bogeys, Ted cries out from the cockpit. With both gunboats close behind, the DeWay tucks into the cloud formation, breaking the line of sight of their pursuers. 
attempting to follow, the gunboats hit a low-pressure pocket and tumble several hundred feet into the stormy skies of Denarius. Buck runs to the navigation terminal and plugs in the code cylinder provided by AC early. An image pops up showing coordinates of a nav buoy, Zabu Dodge, at P-14 near Nukov system. Buck rapidly begins calculating the jump. Roquan buckles into the co-pilot's seat to provide assistance as Vod heads to the quad laser turret. At the helm, Ted banks up through the clouds. The pilots of the gunboat struggle to regain control, searching desperately for their quarry as the Dewey pulls further away. Clouds stream past the windows of the Dewey as Ted pushes the ship upwards. Buck's face, pushed close to the screen, bears a grimace as he hammers away at the jump calculations. No novice to calculating hyperspace jumps, Buck finds performing aboard a bouncing ship more difficult than he expected. In the gun turret, Vod redistributes the deflector shields to the rear of the ship, preparing for incoming fire. Ted continues maneuvering, weaving the ship through the storm clouds. Near the top of the storm system, ship sensors no longer show the gunboats. However, a single TIE fighter has appeared at short range. The clouds start to thin as the Dewey reaches the edge of the atmosphere, clearing the storm. Roquan encourages Buck to hurry while angling the remaining shields full to the rear. As both the Dewey and the pursuing TIE clear above the storm, an arc of lightning shoots out, striking both ships, and detonates at the rear of the TIE as an ion engine is miraculously supercharged and boosted from the extra voltage provided by the electricity, sending it speeding into position behind the Wayfarer freighter. Navigation computer beeping in protest, Buck fails to find a solution to their jump. He briefly clenches his fists in frustration, then takes a deep, slow breath, centering himself, preparing for another attempt at calculations. Roquan hops on the nav computer to assist, but struggles as well. Maneuvering around the port side, the tie unleashes the fury of its turbo lasers, scorching and damaging the cargo hull. Turn this ship around! Let me blast him! yells Vod into his headset. Ted banks the freighter around, putting the tie into view. Vod unleashes the quad laser cannons into the tie, exploding the Imperial ship into a burst of flame, sparks, and wreckage. In the upper atmosphere, Ted puts the ship into autopilot mode and heads back to make the astrogation check himself. Let me show you how it's done, he quips again. Punching in a few additional calculations, Ted successfully locks in the jump coordinates. Buck stares after him, mouth agape, as the ship pushes further upward, breaking out of the Genarius atmosphere. Sirens pull Ted back to the cockpit. Above them, at the edge of space, numerous ships come into view. Most of the ships are scattered about and appear disabled. Imperial boarding craft and guard ships are docked to a few of the larger Genarian ships, and other Imperial fighters are patrolling. These must have been locals, attempting to escape from the Imperial Fist, Buck figures. Three freighters are seen heading inbound towards the planet, bearing a curious logo. Buck recognizes it as the Consortium's Insignia, an intergalactic corporation. Further out in the distance, a Star Destroyer sits menacingly, providing overwatch to the planetary blockade. Ted immediately begins shutting down ship systems to reduce their electronic signature. He maneuvers the Dewey around the disabled ships and incoming freighters before shutting the engines down completely to make their ship appear as another disabled victim of the Empire. Four more ships are approaching from the Star Destroyer. TIE fighters. And they're moving in fast. 
Not fooled by the ruse, the ties make directly for the Dewey. With enemies closing quickly, Ted reignites the engines and systems, recognizing the Imperial pilots have caught on to his subterfuge. As laser blasts spray from the nearest tie, the Dewey's hyperdrive activates, jumping them to light speed. <laughs> 